You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Hey, you guys. We're back with another episode, and I am super excited about this episode. I have no doubt that the revelation that I'm about to share with you will set every dream in your heart free. And I totally know that that is a crazy promise, but trust me, you are going to be so happy that you tuned in for today's episode. So let's kick it off in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a super abundant, supernatural father who delights in astounding us with your goodness. Thank you that you have the most incredible plans for our lives, that you plan to use us to glorify who you are, to show your true nature to those who don't know you, so that they can cry out, Abba, and experience the fullness of what it means to be a son of the Most High God. It is incredible how good the good news is. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness, and we've been made co-heirs with Jesus in your kingdom. We belong inside of you. We are never rejected. We are always accepted in the beloved. And you have given us an inheritance that is immeasurable. Your love for us is too infinite to measure. But God, we get to walk out our lives in union with Jesus, learning every single day about how much you love us. And so God, we just thank you for this podcast. We thank you for this message. And we just give you permission, Holy Spirit, to enlighten our eyes so that we can know the hope of our calling and just lead us today as we share the revelation of the good news. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to hop off today in a scripture that I think we've probably read, but maybe we haven't totally understood. And I'm going to remember to remind you at several times throughout the podcast that this revelation is so powerful that it has the potential to unlock every dream in your heart. So the scripture we're going to go to today is from 2 Corinthians at chapter 10. And I want to talk to you about what real spiritual warfare looks like. I think Sometimes we can get caught up in all of this, you know, resisting the enemy and we can get caught up in all kinds of, you know, spiritual ideas about uh, the enemy. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, there is a really awesome truth that we're going to unpack. Okay, I'm going to start reading today in the New Living Translation. I may go to the scripture in a couple different translations, but I just wanted to get it to you in plain English. So we're going to start with this translation. 
So in, I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So that was verse 3 through verse 5. And I want to unpack it just a little bit here in the intro. And I want you to make the connection between this war that we're in and that we have weapons in this war, but we're not warring against the enemy. We're not warring against Satan and demons and hordes of hell. And the reason that we're not warring against them is because Jesus Christ stripped the enemy of all power and all authority on Calvary. If you are not really solidified in your understanding of the victory that Jesus accomplished on the cross, then I encourage you to take some time and really dig into the scriptures that talk about that there is no other name above his name. Or I'm going to take you to one right now in Matthew 28, at the end of Matthew, uh, that I studied for a while to really uh, kind of solidify this in my own heart. And it's the scripture from Matthew 28, 18, and I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation, but there's really other great translations of this. It says, Jesus came close to them. This is the very end of his, you know, conversations with his disciples, and he says, all authority in the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But this scripture about all the authority of the universe being given to Jesus is a really big deal. In other translations, it says all power and authority have been given unto me, using the Greek words dunamis and exousia. And both of those words at various places in the New Testament are translated as power or authority. Dunamis has more to do with the the power of God, the supernatural, miracle-working power of God, and, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. And exousia has more to do with the authority, uh, in meaning the one that has the legal right and the power, in that sense, to control things. And this scripture is worth meditating on for a minute because if, if all authority in the universe and all power in the universe has been given unto Jesus, then it means the enemy has zero power. There's none left. It's all, which means all. And so I'm bringing this scripture to you in context of the, the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Because if we're in a warfare with a completely defeated enemy who has no power, then what the heck are we fighting? What kind of weapons do we need? And why are we not waging warfare like humans, using human weapons? And so I have to kind of lay that context before I can even get you into the heart of the message today. So 
in the New Living Translation here of 2 Corinthians 10.3, or actually it's 4, it says, we use God's weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So we are fighting in a war to knock down strongholds. And the strongholds, or think of it like a fortress, right, is a fortress of human reasoning. It's a, it's a stronghold of human philosophies and arguments. And I want to break it down and say it this way. We're knocking down the strongholds of human stories. Or said another way, we're knocking down the stories of human judgments. You know, in my work as, you know, if I talk about it from a biblical standpoint as apostle, prophet, and teacher, but really the way that I identify myself in my work is a life purpose coach or a transformation coach who works with people to surrender fully to the call of God on their life. First of all, discover what the call of God on their life is. What is their life purpose? And then fully surrender to that in a way that empowers them to leave the world system and live supernaturally in union with Jesus so that they can fulfill their destiny supernaturally and release the full potential of Christ in them and really change the world. Do incredible, humanly impossible things that glorify Jesus. And in my work with my students and my clients, literally I spend the majority of my time doing this, helping them knock down the strongholds of their thinking, helping them recognize their human reasoning, and the false arguments and philosophies and theories. In the Passion Translation, <laughs> it literally calls it fantasies. You know, it says, uh, the, uh, it says it this way, we demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude. And so I am working in the realm of their thinking. Because it is our thinking that keeps us living a life that is not congruent or in alignment with the identity of who we are in Christ, of who God has created us to be, not only in Christ, but in the body of Christ, and who we are to show up in the world as so that we can do the supernatural work, our true life's work, the exploits, if you will, that God has destined us to do from the foundation of the world. And so I am really in the thinking business. It's why we call it, why the name of our company is called Rethink, uh, because it's a mind renewal company. We are changing our thinking so that we get into agreement with God. And we get into agreement with God's plans for our lives. And we get into agreement with the destiny and the identity that 
we have in Christ. And let me just tell you, from working with human beings and believers now for almost 30, 20 years, sorry, 20 years, I'm aging myself, there is an incredible amount of story there's an incredible amount of deceptive fantasy. There's an incredible amount of just wrong thinking, human reasoning and human philosophies that we have to transform and renew so that we think like the mind of God if we are going to show up as sons of God who live in union with Jesus perpetually and can do the same works as Jesus did, and even greater works, and release the authority of Jesus through our lives to disciple nations and to transform the earth into heaven, the realm of heaven, the kingdom of God, to expand the kingdom of God. It's a supernatural kingdom, and it is a kingdom of love, joy, and peace, and all of the fruit of the Spirit, and wealth and abundance and all of the things that are in heaven and we have been programmed with all kinds of nonsense nonsense about who we are nonsense about our self-image nonsense about what's possible for our lives nonsense about our potential and what God can accomplish through us as we abide in the vine and so this work to demolish this stuff is literally how I spend my time And it is what keeps people from, honestly, surrendering to the call of God on their life and moving into the life that God created them to live and destined for them to live. And so that may not sound like a big deal, but I have to kind of take it back to the ultimate truth. And the ultimate truth is that human judgment, human reasoning, human perception, apart from the Spirit of God, apart from God, is fallen. And our perceptions of reality are formed over the course of our lives and the course of our life experiences really not even in a conscious way, so that we end up, you know, wherever you are in life today, believing all kinds of wrong things about reality. Very few people come out of the womb being told their entire life that nothing is wrong with them. Now, I know that that's, a whole, that's literally a whole other teaching for me to tell you how that's true in Christ, that you are the righteousness of Christ, that you have been perfected in him. Ephesians 1, verse, like, I'm trying to think, verse off the top of my head. It's like in 3, 4, 5 range. says that you are blameless and holy in his sight. Uh, that when the Father looks at you, when Jesus and the Holy Spirit look with you, look at you, they are not convicting you of sin. They're convicting you of righteousness, it says in John, you know, in John, uh, I think it's 14, maybe 16. And, by the way, I encourage you guys to do your Bible study when I listen to my podcast because I'm not going to take the time to go through all the scriptures and sometimes I don't have all the references memorized. But the point is, is that from God's perspective, 
There is no you apart from Jesus. The illusion of separation is a product of the fall, as is human judgment. And human judgment is the problem. And it is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 when he says we have to take our thoughts obedient to Christ, to the mind of Christ, that our thinking has to be captured. We have to take it like our thoughts have to, are like prisoners of war that we have to take captive. We have to capture those things. And we have to demolish these concepts and these paradigms that we've been programmed with and that we are operating out of so that we can get in agreement with God. So I want to try to break this down. Hopefully you're, you're, you're tracking with me. Uh, and let me just say some like blanket thoughts here to get you hopefully on the same page. I'm going to call this podcast Thinking About Your Thinking because our thinking truly is our only problem. Jesus has won the war, and if we're going to experience his victory, then we need to agree with him. We need to agree with the truth. We need to agree with the reality of heaven, the reality of the gospel, the reality of our union with God, the reality of our potential in Christ. And we have a lot of ideas about ourselves and about what we can do that are not in agreement with God. So if you're going to think about your thinking, what you really are doing if I break it down, is that you're thinking about your judgments. Judgment, you know, I have done several podcasts about judgment, you know, mostly in the context of, you know, just the times that we're living in. But judgment is a huge problem. It drives the majority of our thinking. We are not thinking with Jesus and we're not thinking with the mind of Christ. It definitely drives human suffering. Human suffering is a result of our thinking. I know that's a big blanket statement to make, but it is not the things that happen to us in our lives that ultimately cause us pain. It is the way that we think about them and the way that we judge those things that ultimately cause us pain. It is what we think about ourselves, what we think about other people, what we think about how the world works, what we think about. And we have judgments about everything. We have judgments about family. We have judgments about money. We have judgments about all kinds, really everything. We have paradigms about all of these things. And they are not the way that God thinks about those things a large majority of the time. And so if we're going to think about what we're thinking about and we're going to think about our judgments, I want you to get a a, a massive revelation here about where this problem began. And to understand where this problem began, we have to go back to the garden. Because judgment began, human judgment was birthed through Adam and Eve's stupid decision to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, that name, the knowledge of good and evil, can be a little bit 
you know, confusing or you may not really understand sometimes when you say it, you know, what is that tree actually about? The knowledge of good and evil led to when Adam and Eve ate of the tree and the fruit of that tree, it led to a completely different perception of reality in their lives that has been passed on through the generations down to us. It's called the world system now. But basically, if you go and you read through Genesis chapter 2 and you see what happens when they ate of the fruit, well, first of all, for them to even, you know, eat of the fruit, they had to leave the thinking of God. They had to leave what God had said and what God had judged to be true and what God had said is reality. And they had to make a decision independent from the wisdom of God. When, when Eve looked at the tree, right, she began to use her mind in a way that, and of course the, the, the serpent tempted her to do this and called God a liar, which is really the only thing he has to do, or the only thing he has the, you know, the ability to do. And, you know, she began to look at the tree. Oh, it's good for food. It's good to make one wise. And when she ate it, and when Adam ate it, their entire perception of themselves shifted in an instant. And they went from being completely not self-conscious to being self-absorbed. All of a sudden, they saw themselves differently. They saw themselves naked when they had never had the consciousness of that before. They hid themselves from God in shame. Shame came in. And truthfully, the, the problem with that tree is that they began to judge the world and creation in a way that was completely independent from God. They began to judge themselves and judge God, judge their own safety apart from God. So the root of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil is independent judgment. It's human judgment. And human judgment, we are so blinded by this tendency in our lives to think independently from God and to judge everything that most of the time we don't even realize that we're doing it. And the way that it shows up practically in our lives is that we assign meaning to everything that we experience, right? You, you someone you know, cuts you off in traffic, and all of a sudden we have a judgment about their driving. Or, you know, you get in a heated debate or argument with someone that you work with, and you begin to judge, you know, why that person is acting that way, or we put labels on people. I mean, even just fat, ugly, uh, acceptable, Desirable. I mean, all of these ideas are human constructs. What is beautiful? What is not beautiful? I mean, we have, first of all, just a constant bombardment of information about what is acceptable in the world. 
And so it shows up in our lives, and I want to say it a different way, as stories, as fantasies, as, as a storyline, as a narrative that we use to explain everything in our life. So I'm going to just use an example here to try to break it down and make it real practical so that you can follow me. And I'll do it in the context of just fulfilling your life purpose because this is where, obviously, it's a huge part of what I'm here to do. And it's, it's what us ministers are called to do. You know, the, the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers, the, the uh, prophets, the apostles are here to equip the saints equip the body of Christ for the work of their ministry. And everyone that is a part of the body of Christ has work that they are called to do. There is a, there is a created purpose for you, a ministry, if you will, that your gifts and your talents were designed by God to be used to serve others. Ministry means to serve And your work, your purpose, even the dreams in your heart are there to serve and bless others. And the stories that I hear about why people can't do what God has called them to do or can't even figure out what God has called them to do are really creative. And most of the time, very melodramatic. And many times, you know, it's like listening to a soap opera. And I'm going to give you some examples. So let's talk about, you know, just a couple of people that I can think of off the top of my head who are called to, let's just say, called to write books, right? I'm an author. I coach other people how to do that. And I get to hear a million reasons all the time why first-time authors can't write their books, okay? I'm not a good writer. I don't know... uh, if I can do this, right? Who am I to do this? What do I have to say that hasn't already been said? Uh, there's people already that have, you know, written about this topic. And so why do we, you know, there doesn't need to be another book about this topic. And, and that's just one example. I mean, I could tell you, you know, reasons why people can't follow their dreams to move to different places, reasons why people can't follow their dreams to do anything, to do anything. We don't have, let's talk about the money story. Well, I just don't have the money to do that. You know, I never can pay my bills. And, you know, I don't have the education. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the qualifications to get to make that kind of money or get that kind of job. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, and I want to say it this way, judgments and narratives that people dream up that explain why they are stuck in a version of their life that they don't want to be living in. They don't want to be living. That is, you know, and then there's all kinds of religious stories, right? Religious stories about, when I say stories, I just say it lies, okay? Falsities uh, that also keep people stuck. And all of this is human reasoning. All of these are false arguments that people are giving that they have been programmed with and that they perceive to be true that God calls strongholds and if we're really going to do real spiritual warfare then we have to confront the enemy 
by confronting our thinking. The enemy is the father of lies. He is the father of all of this. And that is how we do spiritual warfare. We change our minds. We change our thinkings. We repent. We repent and believe the gospel. That was Jesus' message. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent and believe the gospel. We repent. And repentance is not feeling bad for your behavior that came out of really stinking thinking. Repentance is changing the thinking that led to the behavior in the first place. Because when you change the thinking, guess what? The fruit of thinking like God is the tree of life. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's self-control. It's thinking, 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 thinking. And most of us are thinking like people in a coma. We are conscious of our thought lives. And we are under the master deception that our judgment and our perception is right, which is the very fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that causes death. It was not, you know, God didn't tell Adam and Eve, hey, if you eat of that tree, I'm going to kill you. What he said is if you eat of that tree and you get the knowledge of good and evil and you begin to judge out of your own self-independent thinking, you are going to die. That's a powerful thought to think that judgment is the root of death that has entered into the world. And what does it look like to not live with that judgment? What does it look like to think about your thinking and drop the narratives and drop the stories? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to actually recognize that it's a story. And that's not always so easy. We are convinced that our narrative, that our, you know, perspectives are the truth. And there's, there's this crazy little thing, the way that our subconscious mind works, called confirmation bias, which basically confirms our stories. <laughs> and the way it works is that our subconscious mind is just programmed. So it has all these beliefs in it. It has all of these stories that have been imprinted onto the hard drive of our subconscious mind and are, have been judged as true by our subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind is not just easily changed. You don't just snap your fingers and, and a stronghold or a program in your subconscious mind is transformed. And that's a good thing because if it was transformed easily, we would be very unstable mental people. So there is this, this, this process that happens in your subconscious mind called confirmation bias, which basically just looks for evidence that what you believe is actually true. And when you start to really step into the realm of faith and step into the reality of as a man thinketh in his heart so is he, and you start to really understand that what we observe manifests, that, you know, in quantum physics and, you know, I kind of call it quantum faith, but when you start to understand that we attract what we believe, and we confirm what we believe because our minds work that way, then you're always going to find evidence that what you believe is true, even though you're completely deceived. So you're going to look for evidence that your story is true. 
See, I'm always broke. See, another bill came and took the money out of my account, and I, didn't, I wasn't expecting it. See, I can never get ahead. And that judgment that says, see, I can never get ahead, and judges that unexpected bill as proof that you're always going to be broke is only one interpretation of the facts. You receiving that unexpected bill and your account going into the negative doesn't have to mean anything. But even better than that, it doesn't mean anything in the kingdom of God, where your inheritance is an invisible inheritance, where you have access to unseen resources. A number in a bank account cannot tell you how wealthy or how poor you are. Your net worth as a joint heir with Jesus is that you are a joint heir of the kingdom of God. You are a joint heir of the gross national product of the kingdom of God. It's just that your finances and your money isn't just a material thing. And the way that things materialize in the kingdom is by faith and by what you believe. And so when you tell yourself stories about the things that you experience and the things that happen to you in your bank account or whatever it is, then you just get an agreement with a stronghold. You get an agreement with a lie. You get an agreement with a version of reality that is not the redeemed reality of Jesus Christ and the reality of the kingdom of God that lives within you. And so learning how to just recognize that we are meaning-making machines, that we are judgment addicts, is, first of all, a huge revelation. Because until you realize and can even begin to recognize and be aware that you're making judgments about everything and you start thinking about your thinking and thinking about your judgments and becoming aware of that, then you are completely under it. It's like a fish swimming in water that doesn't even know what water is. You're swimming in the sea of judgment and the sea of opinions, the sea of human opinion, the sea of human reasoning, but it's all that you know. So you have no awareness of it. And so the wake-up call that I have on this podcast today is to say, wake up. Wake up to human judgment. Wake up to judgment addiction. Wake up to the stories and the narratives that you are making up, again, based on your past, based upon, I mean, what seemed to be really valid evidence, but you're still making it up. It is literally a deceptive fantasy. And when you can start to see that, you can, and you can start to recognize it, what I'm sharing with you today is that you can drop it. When you see it and you can discern it, oh, that's a narrative, that's a story, that's a judgment, you can release it. And when you can release your judgments and you can release the stories, first of all, now you're sitting in a place without meaning and you can actually get God's meaning. 
and you actually have some space to create something that you can't, it's a new possibility uh, that you can create because all of that judgment that tells you it's why it's not possible is gone. And the crazy thing about this, you guys, is that there is a physical manifestation that can happen when you let this go, a physical manifestation of peace in your emotions. I mean, I have watched my students and my clients when they drop judgments and drop the stories. Literally, we just had an event uh, last week, and I watched over the course of that event people who had had pain in their bodies, people who had had tension in their bodies, people that had been anxious. I mean, honestly, just in fight or flight, watch all of that shift. And it shifted just because they changed their mind. We manifest what we're thinking. Thoughts are not just, you know, hidden in our head. Thoughts are, become material. They become material the moment you think them. They have an electromagnetic uh, frequency that can be measured on, you know, those things, the little th little machines they, where they put the little, you know, nodes on your head and measure your brain activity. I mean, you can measure thoughts because they are electric and they are magnetic. Our, our nervous system is an electrical system. And then when our thoughts, uh, when we think them, not only are they electromagnetic, but then they become emotions. Our thoughts cause every emotion that we feel. You may not be aware of the thinking that's causing that, motion, that, that emotion, but guess what? Emotions release chemicals. So there is a physiological response in our own bodies to our thinking. But let me say this too. There is also a effect that, that our thoughts can have on other people. You know, when you are around people who are angry and have those kinds of emotions, you can feel that. You know, you are not an island unto yourself. We are connected, especially in the body. You know, the body of Christ is connected. And what I, why I'm saying this is that your thoughts, your thought life is the single most important ingredient that will determine your future. And so really the purpose that I wanted to just talk about today in today's podcast about thinking about your thinking is that waking up to human reasoning, waking up to the stories, the narratives, the arguments, the, the false deceptions, all of these things that, and then dropping them so that you can actually think with God, think with a lens of the gospel, think through the perception of the mind of Christ is spiritual warfare. And guess what? The Holy Spirit loves this. He is the power that empowers us to have mighty weapons. The weapon that we have is the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit shows us the future. The Holy Spirit enlightens the eyes of our understanding. The Holy Spirit connects us with what belongs to us in Christ. It says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has stored up for those that love him. But we have it has been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And so the point is that the whole, we want to think with the Holy Spirit. We want to have room for him to think with us and to lead us. And to abide in the vine means that we are living free of human reasoning and judgment. So as I wrap today, I guess I just want to share with you one final thought which is what Jesus said, all things are possible if you can believe. There is not a dream in your heart that is impossible if you can believe it. Because your potential is not of this world. Your potential is the potential of Jesus Christ. And the only thing that makes it impossible is your thinking. So not only can thinking with Jesus unlock all the dreams in your heart and begin for you to believe that all things are possible, but let me tell you, you can live in a place of peace that is indescribable. You know, I have probably been sitting very, very heavily in this, I mean, Revelation for a long time, but really in the last year and a half, because God is asking me to make big, bold moves, I've been sitting in this revelation where I am getting to the space where I can live in a place of quiet mind. I can live in the space of, I call it kind of like this open space of creation where there is no judgment, where I am not, my mind is not controlled by stories and narratives, but rather it is just open. It's open to the possibilities that God is asking me to agree with. And when things happen, you know, I have a teenage daughter, so you know things happen when you have a teenage daughter. You know, there's always drama. (laughs) But the drama is always a story. And I can, I don't have to tell stories about, you know, myself as a mom. I don't have to tell stories about myself as you know, a, you know, different areas that I fall short or, or fail. I can live in a place of self-acceptance and love and freedom because I have dropped self-judgment. And that, my friends, is where true freedom lies. When we stop judging ourselves and we start loving ourselves, well, guess what? Then we're in a place to stop judging our neighbors and loving others. So let me pray. As we wrap today, Father, I thank you that you did not leave us without help. Thank you that Jesus prayed and you sent the Holy Spirit. And we have a helper. We have an enlightener of our eyes. We have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we have access to that sets us free. Holy Spirit, you are our mighty weapon. You knock down the strongholds of our reasoning. You destroy the false arguments. And you help us take our rebellious thoughts into the obedience of Christ. And so, Father, I just pray today for just supernatural understanding and a continued desire to learn and 
understand the truth that I shared today because this is truth that sets us free. Free from pain, from suffering. Free to pursue the call on our lives. Free to pursue our true identity and our our destiny. And so I just thank you that you are going to take this message and make it each and every person's own revelation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Love you guys. So glad you were here with me today. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. Or you can visit www.thepathfreebook.com. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then take that first step and contact us by email at info at shalice.com to inquire about working with Shalice and enrolling in Emerge School of Transformation. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.